I always have the same saying. It's how to get, act, and stay in front of your clients and be a pleasure to do business with always. Hello, and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. Through this show, I hope to create a powerful resource for you, someone who is trying to grow their company but might not have all the tools and processes to do so. On Outer Spaces, we're passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 25 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow, and today I have Glenn Pullis on the uh, podcast. He's a sales coach, an author, and a public speaker. He wrote the book, Never Sit in the Lobby, and we talk about that. We, he talks a lot about sales strategies and what really drives people to, to make the decisions they make. We talk really deep into this concept around salespeople where we have a real deep fear of rejection. You know, our biggest fears are going to say no, and it's not that the, the fact of that matter is they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to the product or service. It might not be a good fit. The question then is, did you ask enough good questions to qualify them as good project or good clients to begin with? Think about that. So today we're going to go deep into a lot of those dynamics of what makes a good client, how to be a better salesperson to help people to the best solution. And we have a couple of uh, really great examples in this episode. So if you're struggling with sales or want to improve your sales game, or you want to go out there and just serve more homeowners to build amazing outdoor living spaces, this is the episode for you. Hey, Glenn, it's really great to have you here on the show. And uh, today I'd love to talk to you about sales, right? Most of our uh, landscaping, hardscaping, and outdoor living contractors out there that are listing as small business owners, you know, they get stuck in the whole sales part of things because oftentimes they think they have to either manipulate or conjole or somehow convince someone to buy something from them. And what I'd love to talk to you about, since you've written a book about this, uh, is to really get digging right in the beginning with what is sales really? Okay, uh, I'd love to answer that, but uh, thank you for having me, Joshua. It's great to be here, and absolutely uh, excited about what we're going to be talking about today. So it's it's right right in my wheelhouse. So um, so yeah, the question was, you know, what is sales? So uh, yeah, hopefully, it's okay if I can start with what is not sales. Please. <laughs> you know, yeah. So and or at least uh, juxtapose it. So because often people talk about sales and marketing, right? It's like what sales and marketing? What sales? What is marketing, right? And and so I, I kind of like, if lack of a better term, say dumb it down to myself to say the following. So sale, uh, so basically sales is when you're in front of the customer or sort of actively engage with the customer, sort of face-to-face, Zoom-to-Zoom, Teams-to-Teams or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, closing them on business. That is selling. Everything else is marketing. Everything else is the a- activity to get you in front of the customer. So, you know, Someone might say, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I hate sales, you know, sitting at my desk or trying to uh, generate leads. That's not actually selling. That's actually marketing. Yeah. And so and and so I, I call attention to this because sometimes we hire people as salespeople and really what they are is professional marketers and they're more comfortable in a chair with a nice cushion and nice keyboard and mouse and two yeah. monitors and they really want to be inside. They don't want to be in front of customers. You need that person, you do need them, but that's marketing. You can outsource that, you can insource it, you can handle it any way you want. But if you're not actively engaged with the customer, you're not selling to them. So that's that's what selling is. Um, 
and um, you know, and marketing is everything that leads up to that. So whether it's lead generation from your website, uh, email marketing, door hangers, uh, any of those things, um, that's where the marketing guys they hand hot leads to the salesman. The salesman either shows up, calls the guy, makes an appointment, gets in front of that customer, and then closes them on the business. So um, is that? I'm sorry, does that answer your question or? Well, it does, yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. Dig the, in a little bit more in a different angle if you like, so. Absolutely, no, the main thing is that, you know, sales is part of your offering, right? It's, it's part right. of the experience for the client. It's not something that is supposed to be foreign or, or shifty or stressful or anything like that. You're simply helping people to a solution, right? right? That's really what it is. And you're just the, the conduit between that. You're seeing the problem, you have a solution, you're helping guide them to that, that promised land, if you will, right? So right. that's really the bigger play in all this. And when you go from being someone who feels like they have to pressure someone into something or in some way manipulate them and stop that thinking and say, wait a minute here, no, 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 I'm a guide. I'm just going to yeah. guide them to the best solution. Anybody can be a good salesperson. That's the yeah. way I look. Now, some are going to be much faster, much better that way in the beginning. Others, you know, they're going to take a little bit more, uh, more reps to get there. But the point is that when you're trying to help people, deep down in our nature, our goal is to help people, right? As, right. A, as, a, as a community, we want to help constantly. So if we just take sales and take the word sales out and put in the word help, it's a lot easier. It takes yeah. all the frustration and all the pressure off of the conversation you're going to have. You have conversation with people all the time trying to you know influence them in a direction so that's really if, if you really have their their interests at heart and you help them toward uh, you know achieving that goal how hard could that be right that's that's some really good advice the um, one of the ways I kind of like to sometimes I like to reword things to myself so it's more palatable you know mm -hmm. what I mean like a sure. chore uh, make a chore more easier for myself to and so one of the things because so you, you said something in the beginning which was uh, cajoling people or sort mm -hmm. of uh, pressuring people I think or you know otherwise kind of like you know like the the the, the encyclopedia salesman or something like that right yep, yep. you know um, so what I try to explain when people say like, what is your, you know, what is your overall philosophy or whatever? Mm -hmm. What for me, it's, I always have the same saying, it's how to get act and stay in front of your clients and be a pleasure to do business with always. Yes. And so emphasis on pleasure and always, right? Because, uh, you know, your job's not to cajole people. Your job is to help people. Like you said, I totally agree. That is actually what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, but in that process of helping them, you need to be a pleasure to do business with, yeah. even when you don't get the order, right? Yep. And so, um, because there may be other opportunities, other kinds of sales, follow-on sales, other kind of tangential sales that you're going to be going after. And if, you know, if you're difficult to deal with or unpleasant in any way, shape or form, then the customer is going to be averse to dealing with you. But Perhaps they're all have an offering, you know, because you're dealing with contractors, right? So maybe yeah. the contractor's offering for today doesn't meet the right profile. Maybe he's he's missed the mark slightly, but he has other parts of his business, divisions to his business, right? Mm -hmm. um, he wants to get that that other callback, right? And yeah. say, look, I'm sorry I couldn't give you the business for, um, you know whatever it is, maintenance of this, but we've got a new uh, contract for this coming out and you seem perfect, I'd like to get you back in because it was really it was really a pleasure working with you and we were, we were sorry we couldn't come to, and that's happened to me hundreds of times in my career, right? Because yeah. I, sell, I sell products 
and from companies all over the world and they're not always the right ones, right? Yep. But another thing that I also teach them in, in trying to be, you know, a pleasure to do business with as well is like another rule that they want to follow is um, I'd rather be last than second. And so, um, again, I heard another guy the other day say something. I've never said this before, but it made me laugh. He's like, oh, second. Yeah, he goes, that's the first loser, right? And, uh, and that's actually what I mean, right? So the second really is the first loser. So what do you mean by, what do I mean by I'd rather be last than second? So when I'm selling things, uh, and we, in Canada and the U.S., we sell products from around the world for vendors that don't have a sales team in North America. And we're technical product selling, selling engineers, selling to other engineers. And there are times where we realize that our product's not the right fit. Mm -hmm. Either they've got an incumbent vendor and they're just looking for honesty pricing, you know, to keep everyone honest, or, you know, we just don't have the right technical profile for it. The moment I realize that I'm not the right product, I, I recuse myself from the situation. I don't yeah. offer any further demos. I don't fly engineers in from the factory. I'm not taking him out for a lunch to try to cajole him into buying from me. Right. I immediately stop and I go and find my next customer because the guy that's actually closing that deal and gonna win the deal can't be in two places at one time. Yeah. So I go and find the next customer that I can close on where my profile is better. And um, and so and the second part of the uh, part of the rule that I always tell, especially young guys that are selling for companies, is that you know uh, selling is a very honorable profession, and you know you can actually make a lot of money at it. But again, you can't be in two places at one time, and you can't reproduce. You know, you only get one day to live today, right? And so, if you if you find yourself uh, selling a product and you realize, Hey, you know what? I'm the number four brand. Like, you know, 80% of the business goes to brand a 80%, you know, 80% of the rest of it next uh, tranche goes to brand B and I'm fighting for the last 4% with brand C and D and E. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, my suggestion is you immediately hone your skills and trade up and quit your job and go work for the better brand because you want to be making the best use of your time. So you want to be always offering the best solution, the best products. Um, and, and again, when your product's not the right fit and you realize you're not winning, step back and move to the next customer. And, uh, it's less frustrating and less expensive that way. No, 100% Glenn. And you know, the funny part I've learned over almost 27 years as a salesperson that is more of an introvert, right? I really, yeah. I prefer, you know, like, yeah. well, actually, I can only take people for so long and then I've got to go in and just like my little cave where I get away from everybody, right? So, you know, it didn't come easy to me at all. But what I, yeah. what made it much easier for me to be able to help people is to stop thinking about myself, right? And yeah. go out there and meet with people and figure out if we have a good solution. And if we don't, we'll be the first to tell you, to your point, right? I'll be the first right. to say, look, I'm not a great solution, but I know someone who is, right? Yeah. This, this other person would be great to do this project for you uh, and, and be the connector that way. Because you know what? If you're part of that conversation, if you're part of that uh, helping of that client, again, it's about them, not about you that way. Next thing you know, right. those things pay back tenfold in Absolutely. the future. And that's the cool part about it. When you take the focus off yourself, because that's really what it is, right? When, when we go out for sales, we're thinking, oh, crap, what if I get rejected? That's the biggest fear we have as salespeople is rejection, right? A client yes. saying no. And when they say no, then they're like, they're not saying no to our service or product. They're saying no to us. And all of a right. sudden, our, our saboteurs kick up and they start saying, look, you're no good at this. They saw right through your bullshit. There's no way they're going to buy from you. You're not good enough. Why are you doing this, right? All those voices start to kick up in your head. And every human has the same issues, right? It's all about that rejection that they fear. And that's why people get scared about going in front of people to sell things. But right. if you go in with a different mindset, if you focus on how do I help this person? 
You can't possibly be rejected if you're trying to help somebody. If they say no, you say, okay, cool, how about this? How about that? How about this person instead? If you're there truly to help them, sales is easy. Yeah. One of the things I, I like to stress is the idea of, of, of establishing true rapport with the client. And, um, you know, the first step in that is listening. I, I, um, I, I go on about active listening. I have exercises people can do to learn how to do active listening. But the f- number one is uh, the first thing I always like to remind people is, you know, the old saying, God gave you two ears and one mouth and yes. you do the math. Yep. Right. And so, you know, people's instinct, especially the the earlier you on you are on in your career or what have you um uh, you know you'll kind of think you got to walk in and show up and start blathering on about your product and oh we got the best this and the best that and a two-year warranty and a you know money back guarantee this and that and and really what you should be asking is you know you know I hope you're doing well, you know, um, and can you tell me about the biggest problem, you know, you're working on in your business today or in your, in your site, in your job, in your warehouse, in your, you know, it depends on the kind of product or service you're offering, sure. but ask them about their problems and you should be asking questions continuously and not mm-hmm. making it about yourself. The biggest thing is to try to censor yourself where, you know, where the guy says, well, you know, I'm looking for a service provider. Oh, I'm a service provider, you know, that does, uh, that can handle all of my maintenance. Rec- oh, we do maintenance. And, <laughs> you know, and like basically, you know, yep. you just keep cutting the guy off, right? Yep. And eventually he's like, you know what? I'm not going to talk. You do all the talking. Yep. And then the guy's, oh, this is a loudmouth sales guy. And he's annoying and get rid of him, right? So yep. whereas the conversations um, that make, that make me smile are the ones where I've done very little talking mm-hmm. and people have actually complimented me on my listening, on my oh, communication yeah. skills, yeah. right? And I like, I didn't say anything. Exactly. All I did was listen, right? And, uh, yeah. and so that's, that's really important. And um, yeah, so uh, it, rapport is key. Um, and one, you know, once you've established it, then you want to maintain rapport, right? You yeah. don't want to abuse it. You don't want to take advantage of it. Um, and you talked about, uh, hey, I'm not the right guy, but there's this guy. He'd be, he'd be able to do it better. And so I actually sort of coach people like, don't just tell him that, right? Like you basically want to like bridge that gap. So you want to, after you maybe, maybe not right on the spot, but after the call, you would immediately call Jack at the other company and say, hey, Jack, I was visiting Bob. Bob's perfect for you. You know, you should really touch base with him. You know, here's his number, contact, blah, blah, blah. Hang up and immediately call Bob and say, Bob, I called Jack. Jack's going to give you a call. Close yep. that loop. Yep. And then a couple days later, call Bob back and say, hey, did everything work out okay with Jack? And call Jack and say, hey, everything work out okay with Bob? And then those people become what we call leveraged salespeople for you, right? Leveraged yep. selling where they beca- they're, they'll do selling for you because – they have this innate need for quid pro quo, right? Where they want to, you know, uh, where it's like, you know, so tit for tat kind of a thing, right? Yep. They want to repay the kindness and the generosity and they don't want it to be one-sided. They need to balance the equation. And uh, the other part of leverage selling, which probably your guys, your audience might like to hear about is where, you know, if you're in the services game, try to find three or four people that offer services that cater to the same clientele but are different and non-competitive. 
and have a monthly breakfast meeting at 7 a.m. at the local diner where you do lead swapping, right? You Mm -hmm. say, okay, I was in this new area, this new industrial park, this new neighborhood, this new, depends on the contractors and what Mm -hmm. they what they sell but um and then you share do lead sharing right and you do the same thing about hey you know you're talking to customers and you do this but you know again you're recommending jack uh yeah you set up little little monthly meetings like that right little uh focus meetings and be like hey i'm a landscaper hardscaper outdoor living professional uh i don't do let's say decks for instance i don't do decks right i don't do electricity i don't do plumbing i don't do structures whatever concrete and i don't do something maybe you do pavers but you don't do concrete so you make a little network of your own right and you get a couple of guys together once a month for coffee in the morning and you swap leads i love that glenn it's a great way to build that's exactly right and then you can start building your your subcontracting teams right the guys that are going to come in and do these things for you when you have a client say i want concrete i don't want pavers and you're like oh man that's like the place is gonna look like shit because it's concrete instead of pavers right that's what but say hey wait if mrs jones really wants room finished concrete then why would you say no to that when there's an entire project around it as well and you can have joel come in from the other company from your mastermind from your group right your monthly group and he can come in and take care of the concrete and you get everything out around it right so you didn't have to say no to mrs jones because you didn't do one thing someone else can do that and you can do everything else you love around it so that's a way to leverage to glenn's point the way to leverage a network and build your own darn network that's the beautiful part. You know, people get so focused in business around money, right? They think money is the goal of it all. And I'll tell you right now, right. it's not, right? It, it, it is in the beginning because you have to pay for bills and all that stuff. I get that. But long term, the bigger goal is relationships. Yeah. That's the highest form of currency. Money is the lowest form of currency. Relationships yeah. and collaborations are where all the money and all the things are made in the future. So start now there. Start focusing on building those relationships. Create a monthly get-together, meet-up in your area with others that are not directly competitors to you but can help you enhance your customer's experience. That's when things start to change for you, when you stop thinking about you, when you start thinking about how can we help our clients to the highest level and bring the most value to them first. Exactly. Yeah, that's really well said. Thank you. Yeah, so it's I get excited about this because it's such a simple yeah. concept, but we – in the world, we look around Instagram, Facebook, all this, and we want to see these rock stars, and all they do is focus on themselves. And they walk in, they kick the door into the house, and they, they walk in and tell Mrs. Jones exactly what she's going to have. And she says, where do I sign the check? And that's all bullshit, right? right? Yeah. Like you mentioned totally. earlier, <laughs> when you walk in, you're not going to walk in with a machine gun, your mouth running constantly. You're going to walk in, and you're going to ask great questions. Yeah. And when you ask great questions, you're going to open them up in a way that nobody else can, that they can discover things about their true motivation for doing this project or doing this service. That you're like, wow, I never thought of it that way. Wow, really, yeah. Josh, you really helped us open up to that. And you don't think they remember that? Because everybody else came in with a machine gun mouth, right? They just right. ran about how great their company is and all the things they did. And they did the neighbor's house. And they know the friends that they did. Like, they just talk all about themselves. Just shut yeah. your damn mouth <laughs> exactly. and start asking good questions. That's how yeah. you get a good sale. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, Joshua. That's, <laughs> you've nailed it. That's exactly right. Those are... Those are some of the key things that I that I, I talk to my salespeople every day about, and and everyone else that I talk to about sales. Yeah, yeah. And um, I have a thing I call WSP, Winning Sales Presence, and um, it's just a little buzzword. Just but the the basis behind it is um, attraction is not a choice, right? And and the and the kind of salesman you just. Uh, described there with kicking in the door and I did all your neighbors and you better hurry up and buy from me because I'm the best and you know I mean that's not attractive I mean people will not naturally find that attractive right Um, and so what you have to do is be able to position yourself and your product and your service in a manner that is just 
undisputedly attractive, right? And so you have to find the way to show it in its true and best light, right? And so, you know, and also I have a, um, a little thing on my website called the Punch Perfect Pitch and Close, right? And it's how to do a presentation properly and to get the business, right? And the, the first part of it is the punch, then the perfect pitch, and then the close, right? And the punch is a state-changing effort where so you're trying to change your customer's state, right? So, you know, a lot of your, your um, if, you know, the listeners are contractors working on people's homes and, and whatever, and, and assume they're probably going to get in front of that customer and say, look, hey, can I, you know, can I start with a 15-second video and then hit just hit play on the iPad, right, and just have it, you know, you want and you want you would want the photos and the and the homes and the and the service work that they're doing to be commensurate with the neighborhood that you're in, right? You yep. don't want to be showing ten million dollar homes and you're in a townhouse subdivision. You exactly. know what I mean? Yep, yep. So you want to have a series of the right. It has to be appropriate, and you have to show them the state that they're going to live in after working with you, yep. right? It's like, and they're going to see this thing of before and after, and mm-hmm. you know that kind of and just click quick with with excellent music, motivational that's going to encap you know get their attention. And then after you've shown them the punch, right, which will change their state, and now they're like, wow, I'd love a lawn like that, that, that townhouse I saw there or that, you know, that house or that this or that lawn, business, service, wherever they're working on. Um, then you move into the, the perfect pitch, right, and which I talk about the power of three. Um, so always stage it in three sections. Never, never two, two's not enough, four's too many. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're going to, you know, if you drone on too long, you need to schedule more, more appointments and you need to break it up so that people can stay with you. And then also the Goldilocks principle, power of three, right? Which is, you know, good, better, best, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, mild, medium, hot, you know, those kinds of uh, Goldilocks concepts, right? So you, you, you want to stage it in a way where the, you know, this is our base, Mid, mid-level and high-level service yep. and guide them to the right sort of package you want them. The Power of Three is a very powerful. It's scientific. It's like there's millions of things written on it. And, yep. um, and at the end, if you did the punch right and you did the pitch right, you know the close is the close should be easy because the customer would say, "Well, okay, well, how do I get started with you? What's the cost? Is it monthly, yearly? How does it work? Yeah. You know, do you have availability in my area?" If they're not saying things like that, you probably messed up the punch or the pitch, right? Yeah. And so you can still say, "Hey, can we sign you up here?" And but they're probably not ready for it, right? Because if they're ready for it, they can't stand the silence. They want to know what's it going to take to get this. In you know, keep to for me to operate in that world with you, right? And have my lawn or my driveway or my building, my windows, whatever whatever contractor they are, you know, how do I get that? And um, and that's what I call the punch, perfect pitch, and close. I love that. Yeah. No, it's definitely true. And you know, getting to the primary motivation for the for even having you out, getting to the emotional need for what is driving them to have made that call and that they're willing to spend their most precious asset, their time to meet with you and try to solve yeah. this problem. It's not because they don't have enough pavers or enough concrete in the backyard. It's not because their pool's not big enough. It's not because they don't have enough chairs around their pool. There's something else that is driving them emotionally. That is the, 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 the center of this entire project. And it is our jobs as People that are out there to help them, we'll call them salespeople, but people out there trying to help clients, it's our job to figure out what that is. We need to put on our detective hats 
ask great questions and figure out what is the motivating factor behind this. Not what features they want because they, they want the features to think that they're going to solve a problem. What is the problem? Because maybe those features don't solve the problem. And imagine yeah. Mrs. Jones spending $150,000 on her backyard because she thinks it's going to solve the problem. And then she does that and right. sits there with buyer's regret at the end because she still doesn't get the feeling she's after. It is our duty to go deeper into these clients and find out what is their motivating factor? What is motivating to their, pri their, their, their highest priority? Like, wh what is that? Once we find out what that gooey middle is by asking good questions, the next thing you know, they just open right up and like, oh my goodness, really, all I really wanna do is just get my grandkids back. I am so lonely now because my kids are out of the house right. and I just want my grandkids to come back to my house and to, yeah. to stay there every weekend and I know the kids don't have pools and I, I want one now so that they can come. That's the reason why she's willing to spend that kind of money. It's not because right. she wants a pool. It's because she wants what that pool has to offer her, but we need to figure out what that is so yeah. we can design a space that absolutely knocks that out of the park. But without that, you are designing and selling blind. Golden. <laughs> that stuff's golden, what you're saying there. That's yeah. it. That's it in a nutshell. It's, it's you so should important. be in sales. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it's good, Glenn. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you got into, you know, everything you're doing here from being a sales coach to an author to public yeah. speaker, like all of that. If you could give us the, sure. the quick version of how you got to where yeah. you are. And I got some other great questions. Yeah, for you. I start. I st believe it or not, I started as a, a civil servant working for the federal government, electronic technician. And my boss told me to quit. He said I was in the wrong job. I should get in sales. Yeah. And I, I guess I don't really remember if I asked him why, but I mean, I took him at his word and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I did go get a job um, in sales and I worked for a company for a few years. I, I ended up starting my own company at 29 and a half years of age. It was a goal. I really had this burning desire to want to be an entrepreneur. And I, I ran a business for 15 years, sales company selling technical products. And um, I then moved on from that. And I started another business in the early 2000s for another 15 years, which brings me all the way up to 2022. And in 2022, I, um, I sold the business to a U.S. private equity firm, and uh, I agreed to go from uh, entrepreneur to employee. And so now I'm actually working for them and integrating the business. I have a North American uh, you know, uh, perspective on the business. I'm running the business in Canada and the U.S. Um, but in 2022, I also released the book, which is basically just um, you know, 57 tips on how to build a business and a career in selling. And um, it's really little rules I wrote down since 1985 up until the present moment on mistakes to, you know, don't do this, do that, definitely don't do this, and um, and how to be a pleasure to do business with always, right? And um, yeah, so the month I, released, I sold my company, I also uh, published the book and... Um, yeah, and I've just been uh, sort of promoting the book and, you know, talking with people and businesses. And some people have uh, approached me about helping them with uh, leadership, structure their business, sales, things like that, right? Which is what I love doing. And I've, you know, I've done that quite a bit, right? And it's, um, but yeah, the biggest transition for me is actually going from owner entrepreneur to uh, employee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, That's definitely so, a big shift. So yeah. the name, what is the name of your book? Uh, never sit in the lobby. And why did you call it that? I called it that because um, oftentimes I would see people in the lobby and they would end up getting distracted, pulling out their phones. They'd be playing on their phones and the customers would walk in and they wouldn't even notice that they were, uh, that, the, that the, the sales guy wouldn't even notice that their client had walked into the lobby to greet them. Mm. And they have to literally interrupt the state 
and also there's a height differential because the you know the guy comes in he might be a tall guy he's towering over you you're playing on your phone and it's like uh, are you Glenn and I want to be at attention waiting for them and yeah. another little rule I have at the same time about never sit in the lobby is always have something in your hand and something in your mind and mm-hmm. so and so like sales guys will say to me I'm like go visit them and they're like well what do I say what do I do why do I go I don't have anything to talk to them about I said look just show up with something in your hand something in your mind yeah. Right. Like something to talk to them about and something to give them. Right. Now, it might be, you know, your latest brochure. It might be the proposal they asked for and you're following up by dropping it off. I, right. I have another rule. Never fax the facts and never ship the shit. Right. So if somebody <laughs> asks you for something, drop yeah. it off. Okay. Right. I'm going to be in there like, oh, no, no, I'm really busy. I'm going to be in the area anyways. It doesn't matter. Oh, I'm too busy to see you. No problem. I'll drop it in the lobby. You go to the lobby. You call the guy from the lobby. He forgot that he was too busy, and he comes down to see you anyways. You got something in your hand. You give it to him, the quote, right? You got something in your mind. Hey, I'm just wondering what you think. Can you have a quick look at it, see what you think? And, you know, if his eyes bug out of his head, you know, from your price, you realize, hey, maybe I'm the expensive one. And if he looks even keeled, maybe you know you're in the right direction. And and then I and then the follow-on rule, especially for your guys, which was is always ask for a mini tour, right? Like always ask for a tour of the of the of the whatever you're doing, right? Because I mean, if they're if it's on a home, they want to see the whole property. You know, if it's a business, you know, the whole environment of the business they're going to be working on the space, right? I I sell equipment and stuff, right? So my stuff's getting installed somewhere. Like, where are you going to use it? Take me to that spot, the lab, the warehouse, the the you know the production facility or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, and uh and these are all the rules i just stack together and i do it the same way every time and um you know and it helps you to see hey is the competitor stuff there mm-hmm. are they trialing other equipment are they busy are they slow what else yep. do they buy you're looking around for competitive g2 and also i take that information later and i say hey i saw that they had you know uh, like widgets and gizmos which i don't sell but jack does right and i call jack afterwards hey i was just at acme I'm doing a quote for their landscaping or their windows or something, and I notice that, you know, that their driveway's torn up or something. And then, you know, mm-hmm. and so, again, I'm building that whole leverage selling yeah. model at the same time, right? I love and, it. You're, you're helping them. That's what you're yeah. doing, right? You're focused yeah. on how can I add as much value as possible right yeah. now. And then they'll remember, Glenn, that you did that. They'd be like, yeah. I remember Glenn told me about Joel, and Joel came over to do that work. He did a great job, and I actually hired his electrician, too. It's one of his friends from his weekly meetup group, right? And next thing you know, it just becomes this beautiful synergy, and you all help each other keep going, and especially in economic times like we're in now where things are tighter. You know, those connections, those those relationships are absolutely priceless right now to be able to help each other through yeah. this time, and that's that's really the bigger part of all this. So. I want to switch gears here a little bit and, and ask you from your perspective over all these years in sales, you know, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see people make, especially if you can relate it more toward contractors and, and service professionals? Like, what are some of the, the mistakes you see them make when it comes to selling? I know we talked about not listening, right? We want to go in and be the star of the show. Fuck that. Yeah. You're not the star of the show. <laughs> you are going to right. be the detective if you want to be at all functional as a salesperson you got to go in with a very different chip take it off your shoulder throw it out in the parking lot go in there as someone that you're just there to help and not be the star keep your mouth shut pregnant silence is good when you ask a question silence and wait yeah. for the answer you'll get so exactly. much more instead of trying to fill air with sound 
Stop doing that. Yeah. Hold yourself back. First two hundred talks great. loses. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. So, so what are some yeah. common mistakes you so, see that people make in this, this world selling? So one of the yeah. So and I, I I label them all right. Well, of course, there most of them are chapters in my fifty-seven tips, right? right. But um, but nonetheless, one of them is called implied familiarity also breeds contempt, right? So I don't know, you know, if you've ever heard the saying familiarity breeds contempt, right? It's kind of like you know four guys get in a car and they drive from Toronto to Florida right by Florida you're ready to kill everyone right because you're so fam hyper familiarized yeah. with them in a car for like 24 hours straight or whatever and you know all of their idiosyncrasies uh, you know you need kind of a, a, a separation right hyper yeah. uh, familiarity is not a good thing right so I create I learned this rule that implied familiarity also breeds contempt so the the story that is where the sales guy for the service company you know contractor shows up into a woman's home or whatever starts looking around and starts making these leaps of of implied familiarity like looks on the wall and sees something and just makes an assumption right so i i have to give you the example that i use that i experience right where i went to a customer and behind his desk was a photo and it was him and this other dude and they were holding fish right mm -hmm. you know the old fisherman's you know photo right mm -hmm. And I started blathering on about, and I had a boat up north, north of Toronto, and I'm like, oh my God, fishing, blah blah blah. We should go fishing, and then you know, just the whole thing, you know, you know, going on and on about it or whatever. And the guy looks around at the photo, and he's like, oh my God, and he goes, I forgot that was even there. He goes, that's my ex father-in-law. I'm actually divorced from that woman, nightmare divorce. You know what, Glenn? I hated that guy. I only went on that trip because my wife made me go on it. I hate fishing. Yeah. I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. Right? Grabs the photo, tosses it in the garbage, right? And I, I took a completely like sort of mundane situation, turned it into a hyper negative situation by implying that I was familiar with him and that we had this rapport, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Like I was like accelerating myself to, I wanted to go from zero to rapport without yeah. building rapport, right? Exactly. And so you don't want to do that when you're in some woman's home and you're trying to talk to her about a full package for, you know, decks or driveways or landscaping or whatever. You want to ask the questions like yeah. we've talked about already yeah. and, and establish it naturally and genuinely, right? And then it becomes more, it becomes more solid and more easier to maintain, right? And so that's, you know, uh, something that, that a lot of people, um, you know, mistakes people make. The other one is, is that they're not always a pleasure to do business with, right? Mm. And so, meaning that their mood is directly proportional to the whether they're winning or losing the business, right? Yeah. And so, it's really important, I find, that to maintain composure and a helping nature and what have you, regardless of where you're at. Again, if you know you're losing, then you want to get out of there quickly and just, you know, you, but politely right. and stop wasting energy and move to the next customer. Mm -hmm. But I mean... The, there may be things that evolve in the sales cycle where they have to come back to you. And if you were kind of prickish about something yeah. or prickly or whatever, you know, um, they may be scared to call you or, or reluctant to speak to you or whatever. So, right. I mean, that as well as like, um, you know, uh, a, a, you know, an, uh, uh, an unsavory demeanor or whatever, right? Like I'm always a pleasure to do business with. And there's lots of customers where I was the B brand, not the A brand. Mm -hmm. And so I was really fighting hard for the B brand business. Yeah. And and so I had to maintain composure during those sales where I knew I wasn't going to get the A brand uh, on that one sale, right? Yep. But 
but I gauged my amount of support I would provide. I didn't over op, over uh, pro, like I didn't overcommit my time and energy because I knew there was only a certain percentage of deals I could win. Yeah. And um, so those are a couple uh, for sure. And no, I love the first one. Yeah. That, that yeah. assumption gets most men, especially in trouble. That's what I yeah. mean. I was that guy, right? I was that guy. I'd yeah. walk in. I'm like, I really don't want to work for the rapport. I just want to build it quick. Yeah. I didn't realize I was trying to do that. But I'd walk into yeah. your point about the fish picture. I'd walk in and be like, oh, that's awesome that uh, that you have that table or something like that. And yeah. and they'd be like, it's a table. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like yeah. you start assuming <laughs> things with them or you see the, you exactly. know, some kind of different objects in the house. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you guys must travel a lot. And they're like, right. no, I went to Pier 1 and bought all this stuff. Yeah, right? exactly. like, yeah. But you put your foot in your mouth often when you assume, right? right? Ask makes right. Assumption makes an asset of both yeah. you and me. So how about instead yeah. of assuming, we start just asking questions like, hey, yeah. if you think it's about travel in my situation, it would be like, hey, do you guys like to travel? Yeah. And they say, not really. We're actually homebodies. We don't like to go anywhere. All right, cool. You know, maybe they like yeah. to watch travel documentaries. Who knows, right? But that's how you can get that 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 leverage or that idea because you're trying to – rapport is so important. All you're trying to do is see the world through the, the, the lenses of your – you know, the eyes of your clients. That's right. what rapport is. It's getting into their world. That's what it's all about because when you're into their world and you can see things from the way they see things, the next thing you know, communication is so much easier and you can help them on a higher level. But if you're standing on your side of the mountain and they're on their side of the mountain, you're trying to shout at each other because you don't want to come over to their side or they want to come over to yours, then that's a problem. Yeah. It's a big problem. So um, I have a little uh, a little technique that I can share with your uh, listeners on rapport. Mm-hmm. And um, they're probably, you know, if they can remember it, they will love it. And uh, they'll hopefully thank you for it later. So, and maybe me. And uh, it's called Watch Your Weekend Problem. And so there's millions of times where you're stuck in a situation where you're wanting to, needing to build rapport, right? So maybe there's a you know, uh, maybe they're at some sort of a networking event and they're trying to figure out how do I be a networker? And it's most people are probably feeling insecure and uh, out of place at these events, right? No one does that naturally unless they know the people, which they don't, right? Or, you know, you're you're with the client or whatever. So anyways, the way Watch Your Weekend Problem works is, is it starts off with, uh, typically with a man, it's like he might have a nice watch, right? And it mm-hmm. could be some other nice thing, right? It might even be uh, a thing that's not attached to him, but we'll go with the watch. It's like, wow, that's a nice watch. What's, I really like that. What's, what's the story behind that? Mm-hmm. And the moment they, they immediately got, you should watch guys' eyes light up when you ask them that. Yeah. They just instantly like, because men are not used to getting compliments, right? And yep. stuff. And so it's like, oh, okay, well, I got it from my, my dad passed it down to me. My wife gave it to me for a 25th, whatever, yeah. right? It's like, oh, that's so cool, whatever. Then the next thing is, so it's watch. And then the next thing is your weekend, right? And so, and it works on any day of the week, right? Monday, Tuesday, you're like, oh, you know, the weekend ended too quickly. Hey, what do you normally do on your on your weekends when you're not at work, right? Yeah. Oh, I fish, I boat, I hunt, I ski, I, you know, whatever. I bike and I play pickleball, you know, and then you can, building natural poor, you know, don't lie or make shit up. But I mean, you want to like then latch on to something and say, well, I play pickleball too. You know, what's your level? Are you a 3-0 or 4-5? What are you, you know, mm-hmm. or, you know, you boat or fish. And yep. so what your so watch your weekend, right? Now they're like, now they're chatting with you. They've told you what they do on the weekend. They've told yep. you about the mother, the wife buying them a watch. And, and then, and, and sort of if it's Wednesday, you can say, oh, it's hump day, you know, weekends almost, you know, we halfway to the weekend. What do you do on the weekend or Thursday, Friday? It's like, oh, weekends right around the corner. What do you, yeah. you know? So you can do it any day. Right. Yep. And then after they've told you that you say, so when you get back to work on Monday, what's the biggest problem you're trying to solve for? And at that point, they almost always open up and say, you know what? 
headcount, turnover, people, yeah. or quality of work, you know, uh, blah, 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 whatever, whatever they're saying, right? Yeah. And so, and you'd be amazed how much time you can fill up establishing and get, garnering points and, and, uh, and rapport with a person using that little, um, little barrage of questions. I so love it. It, it, yeah. it makes it nice because it's, you know, oftentimes I find myself, you know, being more of an introvert where I'm just like, I don't really want to talk to people. Right. <laughs> right. I, honestly, I'm yeah. like, I mean, if I'm being honest, that's what it is. And I'm just like, mm -hmm. if I'm at the checkout register at the grocery store, I'm like, let's just yeah. roll through with this, get this done. Yeah. I got to get home. Uh, right. But, you know, when you take the time and if you really want to become better in sales or influence or conversations or helper, whatever you want to call it, um, I find the best way is when you don't want to do it, that's when you do it, right? When you're sitting yeah. at that, I'll never forget just a couple of weeks ago, I was down in Texas with a group and we went out to a Red Robin for dinner and this girl came over and she's probably, I don't know, maybe 20, 21 years old, kind of a bit of a sour face on. And she, but the thing that, that really stood out was she had earrings on that were pieces of toast. No bullshit. They're about the size of like a, a silver dollar, but they were yeah. like in a lightweight, but still they were pieces of toast. And I was like, that is so interesting. So I said, I love your earrings. Are those toast? They're like piece of toast. Dude, she went from a sour face. She yeah. just lit up like, oh my God, yes. Yeah. I got these from a friend. I thought I would yeah. love them. And she told me the exactly. entire story. And yeah. she was so much nicer to deal with throughout that entire exactly. experience, right? Because yeah. you just took a moment and then you ask, what's your name? Oh, it's Laura. Perfect. Hi, Laura. How you doing? I love your earrings, right? And you, yeah. you just do that. It's, you're not trying to hit on anybody. No. You're simply trying to acknowledge the fact that you've noticed them. They put those earrings on or they put that watch on, to your point, for a reason. Yeah. Every single thing they've decorated their bodies with has some meaning to them. That's so it's right. when you see something different, I've done that already when sitting in a Wells Fargo bank, opening up an account and the girl in there was quiet and very professional and all this. And I'm sitting there with a business partner and I looked over and she had this beautiful cross necklace on, just beautiful um, you know, crucifix. And I said, I love that necklace. That is just, and I had the little diamond studs and it was just beautiful. And I said, yeah. it, but it has to be authentic. You can't just make yeah. shit up to your point, right? It really caught my eye. I said, that is beautiful. She immediately melted. I said, where'd yeah. you get it? She's like, I got it from my dad. And then oh, she yeah. just like opened right up and it was yeah. the most pleasant conversation after that. The, the, the bank was bending over backwards to help us out with stuff. <laughs> it was crazy, but it went in from yeah. being this corporate stuffy ex, you know, experience to, to opening up because we're humans. So if you guys out there have a hard time building rapport, have a hard time starting conversation, or if you're single guys out there or girls out there that want to, you know, to, to meet people, just do what Glenn's saying. Look for the watch and ask about the weekend, right? Look for the yeah. thing that stands out to you and compliment it. And then ask them the next question would be, so what do you do for fun on the weekends? Like, it can be that simple and that could open doors like you've never seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting about the neck. The, with men, it's usually the watch. With women, it's, I kind of look for the brooch or the necklace, right? Yeah. Those are because they're kind of innocuous. They don't mind asking. They're accepting of a compliment, and it's yeah. not it's not skeezy or anything. Yeah. You know, the, the it's women not like nice boobs. Like or, that's not yeah. going to work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's uh, it's definitely a nicer way to keep it above board. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. That's funny. But, uh, so I know we've talked about a couple of different mistakes that salespeople make, you know, in this industry and in industries in general. How do we fix that? What are some things? I know we've talked about a bunch of ideas, but anything come to mind that you can add to this conversation that could help people out that are struggling with some of the stuff we're talking about? Well, the the biggest thing is the the realization that that uh, that the really the best part of selling is the part when you're selling, right? And yeah. so. Is, is the old tear the band-aid off it right because a lot of times it's like failure to launch failure to act and so yeah. my my challenge to people is always at the you know is get in front of those customers right figure out ways 
to get to them, get in front of them and get the conversation going. And then you're going to, you're going to learn in real time, right? You know, you could practice as a group, you could practice sort of uh, role playing and there's lots of sales training companies that do do that. And yep. I mean, I do believe it's good, but it's, it's hard to muster enough people together to get a, a you know, a reasonable uh, approach to it. But really the point I'm actually trying to make is, most people oftentimes they're most averse about getting back in front of the next client, the next one and the next one. Yep, and, yep. and that's where you really learn to cut your teeth. Right. And I mean, the old stories of baseball runs, home runs and hockey shots on net that didn't go in. And, you know, um, and people remember you for the wins, not the, not the misses. Right. And yep. so I really uh, recommend people like most things are bought face to face. Um, you know, people buy from people, um, and you know, your best place is to try to do it in, uh, building rapport face to face with them, yep. even when it's, even when it makes you nervous, right? They're probably a bit nervous too. Yep. And, um, so that's, that's one suggestion for sure. Um, yeah, I love that point. You know, you, you bring up something that most don't think about is the fact that you may be nervous as a, as a helper or salesperson going out to talk to a client. You know, because oftentimes it's because we're afraid to ask for something, right? Yeah. Especially as men, we're afraid to ask for help or ask for money. Like all of that is a huge fear because, again, we're going to roll back to what is it? It's a fear right. of rejection. And if they yeah. reject me, then they don't love me and not in love exactly. that way, but that they don't yeah, accept no, me, no, right? No. And it's a bigger right. fear we have as humans. Yeah. So once we get over the fact that all of us deal with that, even the customer is nervous about meeting you too because they don't know if they're wasting their time, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. They don't know anything about that. They're welcoming you into their homes. They're, they're, you know, the refuge, they're help, they're letting you into this space. Like there's, there's nervousness on their side too. You know, and I want also want to hit on something else here that you kind of uh, provoked within me is this idea, especially as salespeople that we feel like if we haven't done enough role play, if we haven't done enough practice, if we haven't talked to this exact type of client before that we need to get it just right. That there's yeah. this perfectionism thing that if it's not perfect, it doesn't work. And I want to leave your listeners here as we're wrapping up here with this idea that perfectionism and the pursuit of perfection, which is an illusion, right? Perfection leads to procrastination, Okay. right? So the idea is that the more you try to make things perfect, the less likely you're actually gonna pull the trigger and do some action. So right. imperfectly move through the day, imperfectly call those clients, because you know each time you do another rep, you build more rapport with them and you build that skill. You build the reps, just like going to the gym. You don't get big muscles because you look in the window at the gym. You get a membership and look in the window. You don't, you don't get anything there. You go in once a week, you're going to get something. But if you go in five days a week, yeah, you're going to get a lot more, a lot faster, right? So it's all, but, but if you go in there thinking you have to do everything perfect, oftentimes it's a failure to start because perfection is an illusion. So perfection leads to procrastination. If you procrastinate a lot, go backwards and say, what am I trying to be perfect at? Yeah. And if you say, look, instead of trying to be 100% on everything, shoot for 80. Yeah. You might actually have more action. And at the end, the aggregate of that day or that week or that yeah. month, of that year is going to be far more serving to both your clients and yourself because they're not expecting perfection. No one's perfect. They're humans just being like you are too. That's awesome. Really well said. That's, that's exactly what I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Glenn, I've appreciated our conversation here. So if the listeners are listening and obviously they want to get a copy of your book and to find you online and, and uh, even reach out to you to see yeah. if you can help them out, what's the best way for them to do that? So uh, my website, glennpoulos.com, uh, that'll link to any of my socials or you can just go straight to LinkedIn and type in my name and to connect with me there. That's I'm there pretty actively on there and um, that's where I'm most active. But uh, 
but you can send me a message on the website or you can message me on LinkedIn. Happy to talk to anyone about anything to do with uh, pretty much anything. So, um, you know, and uh, the books are available everywhere. Books are sold, Amazon, Barnes okay. & Noble, what have and That you. book is Never Sit in the Sit. Lobby yeah. by Glenn Poulos. So thank you, Glenn. This has been a great conversation. Listeners out there, you know, if you struggle with sales or you struggle with fear of rejection, which, you know, sidebar here, we all do, right? On some level, you're not alone. You're not an island and you don't own that shit. We all have that in our heads, in our hearts. We just got to push through it, right? We just got to push through it and continue because what our bigger goal in life is to help people, right? And make some money and help and do all that and make a better future for our family. We're going to have to face that demon. We're going to have to face that rejection animal in our head, that saboteur. We have to face him. And we're going to have to either, he's either going to scare us and run us back into the house or we're going to be running right past him and saying, dude, not today. The enemy will not sit at my table. We're not going to happen. We got to get through that. And the more you do it, the less and less effect that that uh, saboteur has on you, that fear of rejection. So get out there, keep grinding, doing the good work. Um, and Glenn, thank you for coming on. And, you know, listeners, if this episode, you know, spoke to you, share it. You know, in my world, in the world that Glenn and I live in and the rest of the world, it's this whole concept of each one teach one, you know, and if you could be, just imagine if you were to share this episode or an idea that you heard on here with somebody that's around you, maybe, just maybe that person says, you know what, I'm going to hold on for one more day. I'm going to try one more time. You never know where people are in their life. You don't know what struggles are going on in silence. They don't know the suffering they're going through. You don't know that. So just be good. Go out there and help people. And do it because it's the right thing to do. And you know what? Not just for you, but for them. So if you want to share this episode with somebody, that'd be awesome. Hopefully it helps one person. That's all my target ever is for these episodes. This maybe one person hears it and says, you know what? I'm going to give it one more try, one more day. And it makes all the difference. And that's what this is all about. So guys, listen. thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks, Joshua.